Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. We're going to talk a little bit today about pastors needing further training. But before we jump into that topic, I want to take a moment to remind you of PeaceWorks University. You know, if you are benefiting from the things you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, PeaceWorks University is your best next step. It's chock full of resources. It's growing all the time. Uh, An engaged community of people helpers is who you'll find at PeaceWorks University. So if you haven't signed up, if you're not engaged in the community, head over to chrismoles.org and find out more about PeaceWorks University. Okay, so uh, today's question is another in, um, I guess we might call them a string of sad questions. It's um, a question about pastoral training. And and I, I think I told you in a recent episode that we have seen some more questions that are targeting pastors, targeting leaders, and and some of the responses and and some of which are uh, creating a little angst for us here at PeaceWorks. So hopefully, hopefully talking through this will be helpful. Here's the question. Why do pastors need domestic abuse training if they have the Bible? How would you respond to a pastor who says, quote, I already know and trust the Bible and it's sufficient for counsel and wisdom. I don't need to attend domestic abuse trainings or read books by domestic abuse experts in order to offer sound biblical wisdom, end quote. I guess my first response would be that's relatively true. Like the statement in and of itself is not untrue, but it may be unwise as the scriptures are certainly sufficient. I I believe that. I hold that to be true. It's been something that I've taught um, you know, since I began teaching on these topics is the sufficiency of scripture, everything we need for life and godliness, we found through the knowledge of him. So uh, all scripture is breathed out and it's good for everything. And uh, so there's this concept within the scriptures themselves and within the Christian faith that not only are the scriptures authoritative, they're also sufficient. However, even with that claim, that astonishing claim that the scriptures are sufficient I think the the concept first begins with what do the scriptures address, right? What are they specifically sufficient for? And we would say life and godliness, Um, but not necessarily every area or aspect of life. You're certainly not going to find a handbook on how to operate the equipment that I'm using today in the scriptures, although you will find instruction on how to wisely use it, even though none of this was even conceived when the scriptures were written. I think the scriptures speak to it, even if they don't directly speak about it. I think that's true of human relationships. I think it's also true of uh, the human heart. Even if the scripture doesn't specifically state something, um, it is sufficient to deal with many of the problems, if not all the problems, I should say, that people face. However, that being said, While the scripture is sufficient, those who use the scripture are not. Uh, And I have said this to many of the counselors that I train, right? So 
uh, in response to our question here, we're talking about a pastor. The, the pastor is technically true in stating that the, the scripture is sufficient, but also unwise in assuming that he is sufficient in his use of the scripture. It's always wise to, to, to gather more information. It's always wise to seek additional counselors. There's a tremendous amount of wisdom, both practically and positionally and provisionally, right, in how we use and operate within and understand the scriptures. Uh, I would assume that this same pastor has, I would assume I could be wrong. Now, granted, I, I will back up and say I, I come from a place. Um, my, my historical background, my church background, there would be many who scolded me for studying the Bible um, in, in college. I would have seen the need for education to be insignificant, that all you need to do is read the word and preach the word. Um, now, there was no concept to whether or not I understood the word or could read the word. And that's why I, I began to say, although there could be you know, exceptions to this, I would assume that the pastor in question has perhaps taken a hermeneutics class or developed a hermeneutic in how they read and interpret the scripture. Um, I'm assuming that perhaps they have read other authors on other topics. Um, I do find this to be a very common pushback to interacting with uh, the topic of domestic abuse. And honestly, and I'm just going to be the, the cynical side of me perhaps is going to come out. I think a large portion of the resistance to, let's see how the questioner puts it, to attend domestic abuse trainings or read books by, quote, domestic abuse experts, some of the hesitation is um, a notion that they already know more than we do, or perhaps the training that we're offering is um, secular or humanistic or feministic or some kind of agenda driven to undermine authority. I, I have heard a lot of those things. Um, and if that is the case, then I think using scriptural sufficiency is quite a cop-out. Just be honest. You don't want to hear <laughs> from the people. You don't want to hear from the experts because of some assumption about our philosophy. That would be much more, um, a much more acceptable or honest answer than scriptural sufficiency because most of the time the arguments that I hear are from folks who do read a wide variety of people who are not simply reading the words of scripture but are getting help in other aspects of their life willing to read authors maybe even from our own tribe about aspects of anger or depression or anxiety or finances or any number of things that the scripture speaks to and others have done a good job um, articulating the scripture's position or helping understand um, the scripture's position. So I, I don't think I'm answering the question really at this point um, by simply going on and on about that, but I do think motive is important here. So uh, if you're the pastor or a pastor who refuses to attend the domestic abuse training or read books by domestic abuse experts, then I would just encourage you to ask yourself the question, is it really because your high value of the scriptures or is it because of maybe assumptions about the trainers or the authors? And I ask that in all honesty, because if it's the latter, 
could I challenge you just to just to take a deep breath, reflect on what it is that you want to learn and and take a step of faith and step into a conversation, perhaps with one of these books or perhaps at a training or even um, even more so ask questions of the authors or the trainers um, about their position on the scriptures. On the other hand, if it's motivated by fear, if it's motivated by an assumption, um, then let me challenge you to pray for discernment. I had a pastor friend who attended a secular training. It's one that I've attended as well. Uh, I've attended many secular trainings on domestic abuse. And um, I had a pastor friend who attended, and I have other pastor friends who, who've refused to go to trainings like this because of the secular origins of the training. And I, I remember talking to my pastor friend who went, and I was kind of surprised that he went and glad that he went. And I asked him, you know, hey, what did you learn? And, and his response was, I learned a tremendous amount about the problem of domestic abuse, about the inadequate responses to law and, from law enforcement. I learned a lot about uh, the impact of abuse, how it affects people, things that I didn't even know before. Uh, and he was grateful for the training. So my next question was, did the philosophy impact your beliefs at all? And I think his answer was not really, because I knew going in that we were gonna have a different worldview. He used discernment. And that's where I would challenge you as a leader. Um, don't just throw off everything yet. Pray for discernment, pray for wisdom, and then listen, the things that you can use, the things that do need um, some thought versus the things that you can jettison, the things that you don't need at that moment. Um, but if the excuse, if the statement is really about biblical sufficiency, then I would expect this pastor or this leader to use no resources other than the Bible. And that's where I'm getting a little um, angsty, if that's even a word. That's where I get a little trepidation because I'm just, I'm not convinced. I've had this conversation enough times to, to recall many folks who have used a similar argument, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't about scriptural sufficiency. It was about some kind of aversion towards the subject matter of domestic abuse. And if that's the case, I, I think that's where dialogue and conversations and discernment and humility would be helpful, that we would step into some conversations, that we would learn from one another. So in the question itself, the, the questioner says, you know, how, do you, how would you respond? I, I guess that's how I would respond in general, um, if it was face-to-face, -face, I would probably just want to know more. So what is it about instruction, not literally from the pages of Scripture, uh, that you have an aversion to? Or I might say something like, so you only receive instruction on a subject if it's from the pages of Scripture directly. And I think the answer would probably be no. They, they probably did study the owner's manual um, you know, on a piece of farm equipment if they are inclined to do so, or they did read the assembly instructions on their IKEA furniture 
And again, that's not a one-to-one comparison because the Bible does speak so much more about relationships than it ever would about IKEA furniture. But I do think there is a um, a literal thread that I would want to pull on just to make sure we are talking about that. So when someone in your church presents with depression, you haven't read uh, Ed Welch. When someone um, presents with um anxiety you you haven't read Elise Fitzpatrick when someone presents with marriage conflict you haven't read Jay Adams I just want to make sure that that's what we're talking about so it's kind of like that old argument of um, sola scriptura versus solo scriptura right it's like not just scripture alone it's like only scripture and um, I just struggle with that I, I really do struggle I think a better discussion would be not so much about this high commitment to the scripture, but perhaps this aversion to the topic. And what is it about the topic of domestic abuse? Do you find so antithetical to scripture? And that's a conversation that we can have. And I'm happy to have that conversation. Right. And, and I I think you're going to come into a few different categories with that. So one might be a real honest fear and an honest concern with the origins of much of domestic abuse work and how it was tied to critical theory in the past or political feminism as opposed to scriptural understanding of power uh, over versus power under, servant leadership, sin, concepts that may be more um, scriptural in nature, concepts that we may talk about here at PeaceWorks, um, as opposed to some of the cultural structures that are out there, some of the constructs. such as the need to decentralize power or um, oppression theory or things that perhaps um, dominate the headlines, if that makes sense. And those are discussions that we could have. I think those would be a lot healthier than just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, or perhaps, um, perhaps it has something to do maybe with something a little bit more necessary when it comes to discussion. Maybe, maybe we would say, well, I feel like Um, domestic abuse work is all about undermining authority. But we should probably talk about that because um, the desire is not to undermine authority, but the desire is to hold authority accountable. And so if there's a resistance towards anything um, regarding holding authority accountable, holding responsibility high um, for those who have aspects of power, um, I think that would be worth discussing because that could be problematic if we find ourselves protecting positions over people. Um, if that becomes evident in our church culture, then I think that's dangerous and it should be confronted. And so I, I do find this an interesting question. I think all pastors should receive training in counseling, for instance, which while it is a scriptural practice, much of what we do in counseling is not necessarily scriptural. It's not necessarily from the pages of scripture. Uh, one example might be I tend, I tend to counsel from behind a desk or a table in a formal setting, much more clinical than scriptural. I don't think it's a moral thing. I think it's an amoral thing. I don't think it really matters. Um, it's a matter of comfort and preference, right? And so I think there's other aspects of our life and counsel that are not drawn directly from the pages of scripture. Um, but, and, and ironically, much of what we do in domestic abuse work is drawn 
from the pages of Scripture, is scriptural and um, committed to this idea of scriptural sufficiency. And so um, I would just love to dialogue more about why this becomes the debate, um, why there's such a hesitancy to see if we can get to the bottom of it a little bit more. And I'll, I'll give you an example, and then I'll, I'll land the plane. I was discussing with a church leader in recent years um, who I think had kind of a, an assumption about me and the work that I do, and, and that's fine. It happens, right? We all do that, tend to do that. Uh, and there was a, a question about this particular topic, and uh, it felt defensive to me. But again, we were dialoguing, we were talking, which is good. And the question was asked about how I would handle a certain situation. And so I immediately walked through what I would want to do first, second, third, um, and went through kind of a basic overview of a confrontational ministry strategy and intervention. And the, the individual almost shockingly said, that sounds really biblical, as if the assumption was I wasn't biblical. And and I think I even said, why are you surprised? Like, why is this the point of contention? And I think a lot of it has to do with assumptions, uh, fear. Uh, and, and that would be one of the challenges I would want to have is let's talk. Rather than dismissing the work, let's talk about what you have, what in the work you have an aversion to, and see if we can find a healthy compromise, see if we can find a way, biblically speaking, where we can scripturally, you know, work together where we can find aspects of this work uh, in the sufficient word of God, even though you and I as counselors are not sufficient. Well, speaking of sufficiency, I feel as if I have sufficiently rambled about that topic. I, I hope there has been some clarity in that. I do think we need additional training on all kinds of things and can benefit from uh, a multiplicity of counselors and teachers and leaders who can help us think categorically about things uh, do we have to agree with them 100%? No. Do we have to you know, walk in lockstep uniformity? No. Uh, but I do think it's helpful to learn and to listen. All right, friends, I hope that that has uh, helped add a little bit of clarity. We look forward to hearing uh, from more folks, more questions. We'll certainly keep answering questions here on the podcast. If you would do us a favor, whatever platform you're listening on, if you would rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever the platform asks you to do, just to let them know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. We would appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for being part of the PeaceWorks family. Till next time, God bless.